0: Welcome to Unabashed You. I'm Rochelle, your guide. The current series is Men in May. That's right. We're going to enjoy a conversation with a different man each week this month. As Pat coined it, it's Unabashed You from the men's point of view. Enjoy, and as ever, thanks for listening. Rick, we met in high school and became friends. He was fun, funny, and a great storyteller still is. <laughs> we went our own ways as people do, running into each other from time to time. He married a wonderful woman, they went on to have a family. We lost touch and a big event brought us back into each other's lives. More on that later. Welcome Rick, it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you Rochelle, it's just wonderful to <laughs> wonderful to be with you as always.
0: I got <laughs> a good laugh on storyteller.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been told that before. But yeah, I, I can I can I could do that from time to time.
0: Yeah. Sure, sure. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All right. Let's let's begin. What would you like our listeners to know about you to start? Anything?
1: Well, well yeah, a couple of things. I'm a second generation San Diegan. So born and raised. I so was born at Mercy Hospital. Uh, I grew up in Mission Hills. Um, one of the stories I really love to tell is my mom and dad grew up in Pacific Beach together hmm. and um, they went to PB elementary and PB junior high school together. As a matter of fact, the property where the catamaran hotel is is the property my mom grew up on. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And uh, she, her, my grandfather was a caretaker for the Scripps family that originally owned that a piece of that property. And uh, he took care of to their house and, um, and that's where they where they lived. And when my mom and dad went to elementary school together, my my mom really didn't like my dad all that much. He thought <laughs> he was a little little bit of a troublemaker. And um, on top of that, he was an athlete and all that stuff. So, anyways, long story short. See, I'm telling the story again. But long story <laughs> short, they were both in the navy. They were on leave, and they met on a streetcar, uh. and. My dad, the hopeless romantic that he is, took my mom to a baseball game for their first date,
2: oh.
1: and they ended up being married for 60 years, oh. so pretty pretty fantastic, yeah. So uh, I'm a graduate of Mission Bay, just like you. Um, I played Division I college baseball, so baseball ran in our family, and I was lucky enough to, to reach that level. Um I live in Mission Viejo with my wife, Karen. Uh, And as you attested to, i completely overmarried. Uh, (laughs) Way way out of my league. Um, We have four children. So I know we're going to touch on things a little bit later. Um, We have uh, two children that passed away. We have Brian, who is 28 and married. We have Avery, who's 26 and getting married. So, uh, so that's very, very exciting. And uh, I'm an avid golfer, so uh, I don't know what else. What else is that? That's that's right?
0: a great. That paints a wonderful beginning picture. I like that a lot. And I, I learned some things about you in terms of your parents and uh, where they grew up and how they met and and how they connected through the Navy and their first day it was a baseball game. I think all of that is perfect for your family's history. It's just yeah. so great. I love it. And
1: and, yeah. and for those of you that are familiar with San Diego, so uh, Garnett Avenue basically split Pacific beach at the time. And my mom lived on the South side. And my dad lived on the North side. And there wasn't <laughs> a, mi- there was our mission base. My dad went to La Jolla High. My mom went to Point Loma. And oh. uh, so they reconnected, as I said, uh, a little bit. Ago. So,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so great.
1: Yeah.
0: Rick, what three words would you use to describe yourself?
1: Holy cow. That's that's a tough one because uh, there's there's been people that have described me in much more than three words and much fewer. But anyways, um, <laughs> I I I think sincere is uh, it's a word. Uh, yeah. I think caring is another word. Yeah. And um You know, I think, well, you mentioned one. Um, uh, I think such a humor being fun, you know, I I think that that would describe me as as well.
0: Yes, you have a wonderful, playful side. Okay, so we have sincere, caring, and fun. and, And then I added in just playful. Okay. That, and that really does, again, You the, the picture is broadening as we get to use these great words to describe ourselves. And, you know, tomorrow the words might be different. And that's one of the things I love about this. I can't wait for this part. The two truths and a lie.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I delivered 75,000 pounds of scenes candy during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I swam with 16 sharks in the Bahamas oh. and I've had four hole in ones.
0: Oh my gosh. 75,000, 75, pounds of sea's candy. You swam with 16 sharks in the Bahamas and four holes in one. Okay. Yeah. This, you know, you are already very good at this because <laughs> yes yes because he, all it takes is a tweaking of the the number or the location but in your case really you went for numbers so that's where the tricky part uh comes in okay well the seized candy oh my gosh that's a lot of seized candy and of course the pandemic i mean we were in over a year so that, that we got to hear that story, whether it's true or not, um, even how you came up with that, if it's not true. Okay, swimming with sharks, that's got to be like a nightmare. That's my nightmare scenario that you actually chose to do, but theoretically, if that's true. And then four holes in one, I kind of think that's true. So I'm going to discard the four holes in one. And now I'm down to seize candy and sharks. Okay, I'm going to go with uh oh gosh it could be like 12 sharks and 70,000 pounds of season candy I don't know um okay (laughs) I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with sharks because I anybody who has listened to the show knows my you know, fear of great white sharks. So just for fun, because it's really not fun at all, but I'm going with the sharks because maybe it was a different number or maybe it was a different location. Okay, which one is the lie?
1: Well, before I tell what the lie was, it was so fun watching you because your hands you think <laughs> you stay with your hands i know if you, if you to, it was really fun it was really really fun to watch okay. i know
0: it's true i do i do i, I have yeah. been acu- accused or described as using my hands yeah. a lot so yes yeah. almost
1: i'm yes. um, almost like a lobster or a crab clawing at something oh know. my
0: gosh that, okay that
1: was that was fun okay <laughs> the lie the lie is i have never had a hole in my
0: ah. head. Oh. An avid golfer, I thought, you know, this could even be mini golf. I mean, I'm not, not, you know, I'm not discounting mini golf through this at all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's the lie. And that means, let's start with the seized candy. How does a person, even in, let's call it 15 months of a pandemic, somewhere around there, deliver 75,000 pounds of seized candy? I mean, that's not what you do for a living. So what's what's up with that?
1: Okay, so I'm going to make a very, very, very long story as short as I can. Uh, again, storyteller Rick right here. Okay, so we have a friend in San Diego who um, got in contact with C's Candy because um, she's involved with um, one of the malls down there, and things were happening with the pandemic, and one thing leads to another. And, so, and this district manager for seeds, Um, needed help with distributing candy um, that were in the stores that wasn't going to be used. They were going to have to destroy it. Uh. And so so they figured out a way to do it in San Diego. And um, after that happened, the district manager said, do you know anybody in Orange County that can help? And without telling us, our friend said, of course, Rick and Karen Hacker." so
0: (laughs) six You swam with 16 sharks what kind of sharks were these
1: uh blue tip sharks down in the bahamas and uh and we were out on a uh on a boat doing snorkeling at the end of the day the person said hey if you want to do this uh you can and so um they threw a rope out of the back of the boat and, and They had to remind us, don't jump in the water and flop around. Like you got to remind us of doing that. So you get in easy, you hold on to the rope, you go and you go out behind it, and just you know, you're snorkeling and you look down. Uh you're on top of the water. And the water was probably about 15, 20 feet deep or so. And sure enough, we get in the water and here comes one, here comes another, here comes another. And it was actually amazing because you could see him coming at you, you know, you could see him coming kind of. But what freaked me out is when two or three came from behind me.
2: Oh. So
1: and I could and I couldn't see him coming. And that that woke me up a little bit. At first it was kind of cool like being in an aquarium, but then I mean they were they were what, five feet below me when they went by, six feet below me. That's and then they just swimming. Yeah. And it, but it was just amazing to, just amazing to see that.
0: Okay. So this is a, you said a blue tip shark. I
1: think that's what it was. Yeah. Okay.
0: So they're not known for wanting to eat people. Is that correct?
1: But yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. If, they, if they, they have
0: hit. the shark look, which yeah. is menacing enough, but they're really yeah. not interested in eating you. Okay. So yeah. that's, that's helpful. <laughs> so you yeah. weren't like, dangling bait they weren't dangling you through the water
1: no and sharks wouldn't want to eat me anyways I mean they just whatever no but it, it wasn't a no I w- I wasn't bait, but I was <laughs> good I was, in, I was in the water with a lot of sharks and it was very exciting my, now my did wife. your
0: wife do this also
1: of course not no
0: oh my Jeez.
2: gosh
1: <laughs> there's about there's about five or six of us that did it, it yeah it was on a snorkel trip. Yeah. Oh my was, gosh! It was great. I'm really glad I did it.
0: Okay. Well, good for you. Good for you. All right. First memory you can recall because we're getting to know you right now when we're yeah, getting to know you first, well. First, first memory.
1: I I think it's really around baseball. Um, I was a bat boy when I was about four years old for my oh. dad and my brother's team down at challenge field uh, down in mission Valley. And, uh, yeah, there's a picture of me being a bad boy that that's running around out there somewhere. So that's, I, probably, uh, that's probably what I remember the most.
0: Yeah. I love that. Your your whole family is, you know, has some, you know, baseball is a very central theme. All right, Rick. One of your favorite movies of all time. This is not like the favorite, although perhaps it is the favorite. It doesn't have to be like there's only one, you know, maybe you have 30 favorites where you're going to choose one. Just one. Just one. It's tough. Oh, that's I right. have a good guess, and we'll see what, if I'm right. What you get, what's no, your guess? No, you go first, and I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean,
1: I I I love the Sandlot. I think that oh, the just Sandlot. My, okay, that's my era. That's kind of that we did stuff like that and growing up. So that's one. Of, what was your and it's your about
0: book? baseball.
1: Go figure. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was going to say Caddyshack.
1: Yeah, that's a good, well, yeah. For you, you
0: for you, not for me, yeah. but for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Caddyshack is a good one. No doubt okay. about it. Yeah. All
0: right. The Sandlot, that makes even more sense. But, uh, we're going to take a little pivot now. You are obviously, uh, we've mentioned your wife mm-hmm. and you have a daughter mm-hmm. and you understand firsthand that women struggle with worth. What do you say to not just those women in your life, but but to all women while you have their ear right now?
1: Um, that's a, that, that's a really important question. Yes. And, and I'm going to come at it from a much bigger perspective than what I can personally breathe into breathe into that question because okay. um, i I believe that um, so the the work to me that comes comes to mind is priceless.
2: Oh yes
1: um, and and there's analogy I, I heard one time that that I really 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 like a lot that um you know when people are making, um, trying to describe this the right way, but it's crochet. You know yeah. they, they're they're making a uh, making a, it. I, I think it's crochet, but or, or needlepoint. Maybe it's needle, needlepoint. Needlepoint. Um, they are looking at a design that they're making, whether whatever the design is, a flower or something, on, on and making this work of art. But when you pick it up and you look from under you see a bunch of different colored strings hanging down and it's a mess. There's no, there's no perfect rhyme or reason. It's just a bunch of colors. That's not aligned. But if you look at it from the top, Mm -hmm. it's a work of, it's a unique work of art. Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I believe that's way that's the way God has, God looks at us Mm -hmm. and, and specifically I I think that's the way that that God looks at women uh, because of this issue, because women's value is so great to family, to husbands, to the community, the wisdom that they have. Um, We can't lose sight of, that value that women bring to our community, to our home, to our neighborhood, to our city, state, country, you know, everything. And so um, I hope that kind of answers the question, but that I I think it's just an individual perfect work of art that gets messy sometimes, Mm -hmm. but but remember the way that you're really truly viewed.
0: Oh, I think that's just incredible and very powerful. And I'm I'm going to remember that one in terms of each woman's worth. I think that is, um, it, it's really spot on. So thank you for that. I I think that that yeah, it's insightful, inspiring, encouraging. I mean, all of those things. And I I, I really hope that it speaks to women listening you know, when they're Me having too. tough times that they will remember the unique work of art that they are, even if it feels a little messy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well done, Rick. Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. You're welcome.
0: What's a piece of wisdom you keep handy?
1: <sighs> I thought of something. I'd <laughs> yeah. Not going not, not gonna to go that. I think that, um, I think that the wisdom that, you know, I'm going to go back to the previous topic for a second. Um, I have been really blessed to have women in my life that have invested in me, that have um, shared their wisdom with me. Um, my, My grandmother was completely deaf, yet she raised five kids. Wow. And the wisdom that she shared with me that, you know, simple love is always enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: My, my mom um, graduated from Point Loma, did not go on to college. But some of the wisdom she gave me was you can make things better, you can make things worse. It's mm. up to you. It's up <laughs> to you. Yeah, I like Mm
2: that.
1: You know, Karen happens to impart a lot of wisdom on me because she is such a steady, calming influence in um, my life and in the life of others that, you know, she reminds me, her wisdom tells me we're going to get through this together
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and we'll never get and we'll never go through this alone. Mm. Right. And so that's mm. what that so those are three, you know, and and I have to include my mother-in-law. Um, and and she she was a person that um I don't know about the wisdom piece of it, you know, I don't remember her really saying something to me. But her gift and her, um, I'll say, wisdom was really how extended family is so important—aunts, mm-hmm. and uncles, cousins. You know, the, that 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 was something that she really modeled for me. So mm-hmm. I, I would I would go that route.
0: Absolutely. I mean, wisdom, like you said, can be modeled. It doesn't necessarily have to have words right. attached to it. So. She was able to impart that by how she who she was and how she treated you and the other people in, in her family and extended family, letting you know each person know through her um, through how she was toward each one of them, how valued she thought you each were. And that there's really something to that for people to be. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show, being seen and being heard. And, and it just, you just, you know, you feel warm inside when you feel like another person sees you and hears you. I mean, it, it's just sort of a basic human need that we have, you know, to be valued, to be affirmed. And so I, I love that your mother-in-law was able to be that and that you right now have paid her great tribute. She's in heaven. Maybe she's wow. listening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not but, and she has left this wonderful legacy that we're talking about right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And I have to say, Rochelle, one of the things that you've always done over the years that we've known each other, you just said it—you, you have really helped me and my family because you are such an effective listener and you really do care about what we say. Mm. And have and have interest in in how we're feeling and, and to a big degree, what are we going to do about it? So I want to thank you for that
0: too. Oh, that's very yeah. sweet. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate hearing that. I mean, I think we all have different gifts, and certainly, I'm not. Even, well, I, it always comes up on my spiritual assessments. But encouraging, I love being an encourager. I just. Mm-hmm. It's something that I, I, it's, I can't not do it. I just, it's like, I have to do it. I have to. <laughs> so thank you for that. I I, I like hearing that I have been that for you and your family. That makes me feel all warm inside.
2: There you go. Good. Yeah. Good.
0: All right. We're going to move on to your topic now. And I thought your topic was just multi-dimensional and very rich and we you know let's we're gonna dive right in um you wanted to talk about how you know when we're going through a tough time how you know people can kind of come out of the woodwork and but then you've got people who are um really you want them there with you in the trenches Mm -hmm. and then others that, yeah, thank you for the casserole. We really appreciate it, but you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, want, uh, you don't necessarily have that intimacy and that closeness with them. And I I love Mm -hmm. this topic in terms of when you want to step in to help somebody and let's say you're the person needing help, Mm -hmm. how are you wise and trusting in how to assess who to let in and who not to let in. I mean, it's,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, I think this is a really um, fascinating, compelling topic. Let's, let's, let's dive in.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, I think it starts with uh, a twist on an old saying. And the old saying is when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Right. I mean, we've yeah. all heard, we've all heard that. But I heard it said one time that when the going gets tough, the tough come in,
0: Ooh.
1: and I like that because that is an intentional act of somebody who truly cares and wants to and wants to be supportive. Yes. Um, receiving that type of care and action is uncomfortable for most people. Yes. It's, it's it's really uncomfortable because I think from a society standpoint we're taught to, you know, as as people, hey, I've got this covered because we have I'll say appearances to to keep up and accepting accepting help means you can't do it by yourself. And that's mm-hmm. totally wrong. True. Uh, I mean, the perception, I'm not saying that I, 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 I don't, I didn't, that may not have come out.
0: correct. No, I understand what you're saying. It's the perception versus the reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and having um, a lot of experience with, with this type of thing, um, the the people that decide to step in are typically people that have walked in your path that have been there before you that have experienced um, some of the things that you're experiencing and they can, they can give you what you need the way it needs to be given.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, and so if there's a neighbor or a friend or somebody that says, hey, what do you need done? If you're going through a crisis and you need to have your lawn taken care of, tell them to take care of the lawn. You need a car wash, (laughs) you know, could you wash my car? You know, if you have laundry to do, you know, it might be a little embarrassing because they're going to look at your underwear, but let them do the laundry, (laughs) you know?
0: Hey, but, we all have underwear, right? <laughs> we do,
1: but but you know, evaluating those relationships and, like you said, who to let in has to do, I think, a lot with the journey that you've been on with that person, but also the journey that person's been on, and, mm-hmm. and that and that can really that can really really be effective. It, okay. it, go go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just going to kind of follow up. I've got a couple of questions brewing in my head here. One is, Mm -hmm. have you yourself gotten better at asking for specific help?
1: Uh, Yeah, I have. Um, And I'm guilty of not asking for it frequently enough. But there's been some recent events where I've gone to people and said, listen, um, I, I, this is what I need. And a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, the first step is having somebody pray about the situation that I'm going through mm-hmm. or that my family is going through that, um, that is really difficult and I can't figure out what's happening. Right. Um, from a practical standpoint, um, on things that aren't, um, I'm going to say, you know, a crisis or very difficult. Um, again, relationships are in place where some, you know, I can ask somebody to do something and somebody will be there. Right. That mm-hmm. and, and we are very, very blessed by, by having people like that in our lives.
0: Well, and I think it's a process, too don't you think? I mean, with the different um, big events, you know, grief stricken kind of events, and we can get Mm -hmm. into that in just a second here. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you've had too much practice. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So I I do. Yeah, Yeah. so that so, you, you know, with each event, it's like okay, I've been here before. This one might feel different because of my relationship with that person, but I still know what grief feels like. Mm -hmm. And I do know I need help. And I feel more comfortable now saying, hey, can you get us some stuff at the grocery store? We just, we can't, we just can't do it. Can't do it. And that there are people in your life that are like, absolutely and you know ready to, to to do it and to do it with such love and grace and cheerfulness mm-hmm. um those people are the gold standard
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: okay so let's 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 briefly share with our listeners here our story, our joint story, we, we talked about we met in high school, we were very good friends, we kind of uh, wove in and out of each other's life through the years, you know, you mm-hmm. moved to Northern California, married Karen, wonderful woman. Um, I never said she's out of your league, by the way, just let the record show. <laughs> you said that I did not I, say I, that. I
2: did. I yeah. did. yeah.
0: Okay, I did. so your first child Was Matthew correct? He was the first.
1: He that's correct.
0: Okay, so Matthew uh, passed on from a heart, a lethal heart defect. Okay, and you got to have him, I want to say, for eight days. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? Three days. Three days. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm a little off on that. Okay, so fast now. What year was that, Rick? He uh, was born
1: in 1990. 1990,
0: so fast forward seven years. We haven't seen each other. I think we ran into each other once in an airport and once at the, you know, I mean, just all these odd places. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, one of our mutual friends reached out to you and said, Hey, Rochelle and Ron are going through this thing. I was pregnant. I knew the baby we had had a lethal heart defect and was not um, Mm -hmm. predicted to live past uh, being born. And Mm -hmm. wouldn't you know? That our boys have the very same heart condition, exactly the same, exactly yeah. the same. I mean, the odds of this, and you know, this is why a lot of believers will tell you they don't believe in coincidences because. Right. This is not the kind of thing that just happens. It's it's very carefully orchestrated. Right. So right. and I, by that I do not mean, in my opinion, and I'm gonna say this is my opinion, I do not mean that God caused Matthew and our son Christian to have a heart defect. He knew they would have a heart defect, and yes. he, he worked all this good around it reconnecting us and so then right. you and karen Brian Deborah sandy and chris just like came to the rescue in the biggest way emotional support practical support i mean just were there you had already been through it you had already been through it so uh and then ever since that time it's like we're not just reconnected. We're like cemented together. Uh-huh. Now it's right. just, it's right. not even, it's not even an option. Even right. if time goes by, it doesn't matter. Right. You no, know? right. it doesn't right. matter. It's it just, doesn't. it's just, we're, we're, we're cemented together. So that is the big event I was talking about in your intro. Now, since that time you and Karen then had a miscarriage.
1: Right.
0: After Matthew. Right. Yes. Yeah, so right. Two, two sweet little ones in heaven and then went right. on to have Ryan and Avery. OK, right. so that's right. that's the that was the beginning of your lost journey. And right. you, you went on to lose both of your parents. First was your dad, I want to say, correct?
1: Um, yeah. Before my dad was. Karen's sister well really. i was gonna
0: i was gonna jump to her okay, side just but, a minute okay so you yeah, okay. your dad your mom right. and then and then fast forward a, a, was it several years then your sister
1: just three years after my um mom passed away okay so sis, just, that,
0: away. just that just mm-hmm. that is a lot of loss Correct. in a fairly short period of time okay that's uh, way anyway you slice it Okay now you also married in to a family your lovely wife Karen who lost i think in this order her sister mm-hmm. her mother and those were in short order from each other correct
1: correct 6 months
0: apart 6 months apart and then i want to say several years later maybe a little bit more but not much more brother Yes. Than father, correct. Now Karen is the sole surviving member of her original nuclear family. That's correct. Yes, which for our age group is highly unusual. Mm-hmm. Highly unusual to have start out with three siblings and to lose both of them and both parents. Mm-hmm. It it really it really is. So so you're not only experiencing all your loss you're experiencing all of your your extended family's loss. So that is so much loss, so much loss. I mean, there just aren't a lot of people in, you know, I'm, I'm going to say um, first world countries who experience that kind of loss. I mean, I think that would be more, tr- you know, like in war-torn, impoverished, Places Maybe that might be, you know, disease ridden places that that kind of those kind of numbers might be more common, but not that not this. That's why I say you've had so much experience with grief and why you now have gotten better at asking for help. OK, so my follow up question is, how do you then, OK, you, you know, the people you're doing life with. You know the ones, hi Max, you know the ones, you know the ones that are going to be with you in the trenches. What's kind of your barometer for discerning wisdom and trust in people?
1: One of, one of the ways that people can enter into a I'll say a grieving situation, one of the greatest gifts that we can give somebody is the gift of presence. Mm. And and in the middle of a difficult situation, trying to fix the unfixable is a difficult thing on the person that needs help. And people that are grieving deeply and people that that, um, are processing what they're going through need to to be able to say what they need to say and they need to be able to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And they need to do it with people that are there simply to be there with them and to love them. Some of the best, some of the best things people can do or say is do nothing and say, I'm here if you need me. Right.
0: Yes. Yes. There isn't a magic thing you need to come up with to say.
1: No. And and the question of what can I do to help you? Well for a person that's grieving heavily,
2: they, they don't can't
1: know. answer. They, don't they, know. Can't an, they can't answer that question. No. No. I, I I don't I don't I don't know what to do. You know, I I, I remember waking up, uh Matthew passed away at uh 5 23 in the morning on January 23rd. And um we drove back from the hospital. It was um the sun was coming up, it was a really pretty day. And I remember knocking on uh karen's mom and dad's door and we collapsed on them Aww. we had we hadn't slept in three days because karen delivered him and he got was stopped to icu and about six or seven hours later karen got released from the hospital and we were there mm. so we ended up sleeping i i i don't know how long but we we were exhausted right in a lot of different ways and I distinctly remember Karen's mom when we woke up. There were little packages on uh, on the table for us in our in our room, and she bought us new fresh clothes. Ugh. So a simple uh. act of kindness without mm. any any expectation of any—I I mean, just to take a shower and put on fresh clothes mm. was something that was so. Amazing for, for us to have something really really simple. Um, so going back to your original question, that's an example of just entering in and not trying to fix something and just be kind and do something. Um, another another important um, element um, is when you are giving the gift of presence. It's okay to use the name of the person that you've lost. For Mm -hmm. example, you and Ron are Christian's parents. And as his parents, you love hearing his name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Yes. Specifically in in the child loss or infant loss community, people think it's taboo to mention Christian or Matthew or, you know, whoever, fill in the blank. Right? right, it's the exact opposite. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Christian had Christian had a lot of black hair and big, big eyes. He was beautiful. <laughs> Matthew had blonde hair and big blue eyes. He was beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. He looked like his mom, so he got a huge break. But anyways, he. Uh, <laughs> but but see, this is just an example of you and I just kind of having a little chuckle about that a little sense of humor about our voice that I think people need to know because we love them. Right. And, and you love the person that that isn't here anymore. Just because they're not here anymore doesn't mean that you don't love them. You love them, it, you still do.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Except except I wonder generationally if our generation and those coming up behind us are a little more aware and the grieving process looks and feels uh, not the heartbreak part of it but the way we deal with it looks and feels different than the way our parents generation looked and dealt with it does that make sense like i i don't Makes really sense. yeah i don't really think they they would want to talk about it i, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's out of fear because I don't like I don't talk about it in front of me because I don't want to feel that pain. I don't know if that's it, or if that was just like the accepted way to deal with it. But privately, you're like oh, I wish somebody would mention his name because I miss mm-hmm. him so much. He was he was real. He was here. I don't know, but it's it's I yeah. think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think that has a lot to do with it, um, and also if somebody hasn't had this may sound a little weird, but grief care model to them. Like in my family, we never lost anybody. It, you know, in my nuclear family, I remember losing my grandfather, but I was very, very young. And um, besides that, I didn't lose anybody in my family until I was in my twenties. You know, it was my, it was my uh, grandmother and, and uh, my aunt and an uncle, but um I don't know if people from our parents' generations were able to talk to us about this topic, you know, right. to, it, because, you know, you just don't. You don't want to make more people upset. But so I I, I do know for sure that people are using tools that weren't available in the past.
0: Yes, to I get agree.
1: But but going back to how to your question about how to discern who's going to be there, the other big piece of it is, you know, are are they going to be there for the first week or two weeks, or are they going to be there for the firsts? Because all of the firsts just mm-hmm. stink. They just stink.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That that's why grief takes so long. Mm-hmm. You know, from a, from a uh, I'm going to say from a society point of view. Um, people think about somebody that's lost somebody for, you know, a period of time, but then, you know, life restarts and, you know, the grieving couple or the grieving person finally goes back to work and there's an appearance that everything's normal. Well, not everything's normal because your, your new normal just got moved. Yeah. And then when the first Um, birthday comes up. Yeah. Not the person that you lost, but it could be Ron's birthday or it could it could be anybody, your birthday. Mm -hmm. First mother, first Mother's Day, first father's day, first Mm -hmm. fourth of July, first you name it in that first year. It's just brutal. And so is somebody going to enter in and remember those event, you know, those milestones as you go along. And that goes back to relationship and trust. You know, right. I mean, we still exchange love during times when, you know, Christian, when we think about Christian, we're thinking about, you guys are thinking about Matthew, it's precious, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's just, yes. It's just, it's just precious. Yeah.
0: Yes. This is just such a wonderful, important conversation to have. I'm so grateful you got us started. And I, I think really it's just the beginning. I know there is much more that we need to explore and talk about. And, and you know, we've been talking a bit on the show lately about how conversations will change the world. And, and I really believe that to be true. And so having this conversation with you, I think will help shape and form maybe how some people think of grief, um, how they might be able to be more practically helpful to those around them and not just say, what do you need? What can I do for you? You know, or let me know if you need anything. You're right. that, That just is not. It, it, although well-meaning, perhaps, and I would say perhaps, because it's like what you say, but where's the the rubber meet in the road? I mean, is, is that just a platitude or is it a real thing? So I, I would say, you know, observe, be aware.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know,
0: just really be aware when you're being in the presence of that person, you know, take a look around what what can you, what do you see? What do you see that you can do? Make a mental note for future. Okay. They're running low on fruit. I'm going to run by and do a grocery run. And, you know, uh, just those just, I think full awareness when you're in the presence and and just Mm -hmm. do do
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, um, This is, yeah, just such an important conversation. Our time, however, is running nigh, so we must wrap up. But I think this has given us some great beginnings of of how to do better, how to be better, how to do better. And, And to me, that's what this is all about these conversations um, having you on the show today and, and being able to reconnect on this level. I learned a ton about you that I didn't already know, which I love. And, uh, yeah, we're cemented.
1: Yeah, we are. Thank you. Just, just one other thing that, um, you know, going back to the, you know, handy wisdom. Yes. Um, love wins.
0: Mm. Mm Hmm. Yes, yeah. and we love that song. Yeah, right. we
1: do. We've been there and done that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. we're giving a little yeah. uh plug to uh, Bill Cantos, who has a beautiful song called Love Wins. And That's uh, right. yeah, look it up, people. Look, look it, it up. up, look it up.
1: A great song, but yeah. but you know, that that that, that is really truth that love wins in the end, love love wins
0: absolutely With,
1: when you come into a situation and you're thinking about you know should i go on a grocery run or will they be offended love wins
2: <laughs> when you
1: when you come in and say hey i want to you, you know i'm do i go and do i need to do anything or just being there and being present is that the right thing to do? love wins yes right yes do, Do I, do I need to, because I've earned the right to have a direct conversation with somebody based off of a relationship and you're getting the sense it's the right thing to do, love wins. Mm -hmm. So, love wins.
0: Well, I already have the title for your episode.
2: <laughs>
1: oh my gosh!
0: I don't <laughs> even have to think about it. Oh my gosh! I was going to call it "Storyteller Rick," but now I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind to, to what? Love wins
1: love oh, wins. Okay. All As right,
0: told great. by Storyteller Rick.
1: <laughs> maybe that's the title that's cute that's yeah cute.
0: okay well
1: <laughs> okay uh,
0: this has been great I'm very thank grateful you so much you said yes thank you for sharing you a little piece of you your wisdom your insight uh answering the fun questions and then the hard serious ones it's all important thank you Rick
1: thank you honey and by the way I love you too
0: I love you, too. Yes. (laughs) Love wins. All right. Talk to you later. bye Bye -bye. This is when two truths and a lie can be inspiring. Remember, they delivered 75,000 pounds of seized candy during the pandemic so it didn't go bad. They took it to hospitals, police, and fire stations, anywhere they could think of to say thank you for what you do a kind act of service, and a sweet, delicious thing that did not make the final cut. Rick says to take a scotch mallow, put it in a ready-to-bake croissant bake, and you have, according to Rick, a delicious dream come true. The deep dive portion of our conversation is an important one. Rick asks, who will be the people you want right there with you when you're in a crisis or grieving the loss of a loved one? Who are the ones wise and trustworthy? Who will give you the gift of presence, not try to fix things, and be with you? Then they will do, because they see the things that need to be done. Do you have those people? And are you those people to the loved ones in your life? The Anabashidi website has photos Quotes and a blog for each episode. Each episode's audio is embedded on its own page at unabashedu.com. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Verbal. You are invited to su- subscribe, rate, and review. Our social media accounts Instagram at Unabashed You. Facebook account is Rochelle Renee, R E C H E L L E R E N A E. The page is Unabashed You. Twitter at Rochelle Renee. We build upon website visits, social media, and word of mouth to share these episodes. We appreciate growth. Knowing these conversations help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. So continue to listen, read, and be inspired. Now our blessing. Being present, whether with children, with friends, or even with oneself, is hard work. But isn't this attentiveness, the feeling that someone is trying to think about us, Something we want more than praise. Amen. And that is by Stephen Gross. Go give the gift of your presence. Be unabashed. Be you.